Hello, Convention of State podcast listeners. Normally, we reserve this channel for audio versions of our live broadcast, COS Live and the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. But as a bonus, we like to occasionally release some historic legacy audio for your enjoyment. Hosted in Colonial Williamsburg in September 2016, this event featured commissioners from all 50 states to perform a test run of an Article 5 convention, the largest experiment of its kind. The simulation proved that this process really will work just as the constitutional framers knew it would. Over a period of two days, the commissioners ultimately debated eight proposals and passed six of them. This is part nine of the general session of the COS simulation. To the motion to amend. Thank you, uh, Mr. President, and I was, uh, was standing to speak to the underlying, but I think the amendment further illustrates the point I was going to raise, which is uh, I believe this amendment in total is not quite baked and ready uh, to be served. Uh, and it follows the uh, case I laid out previously in uh, which I was overwhelmingly, uh, my advice was rejected regarding executive and legislative authority. Uh, but as we stood here and, and talked to each other, had we not, for example, adopted the amendment of invalidating uh, state law, uh, this would have allowed states to invalidate Marbury versus Madison and undo the entire structure of how the Supreme Court operates. Uh, there are so many permutations, as illustrated by the current amendment under consideration, that this amendment is not in any way, shape, or form ready to be sent off this floor. I think there are many, many, many uh, permutations that we have not even begun to consider of uh, how this would play out. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, let me recognize, we'll go to the Commissioner from Mississippi, and then we'll come to North Carolina. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, although I agree with the intent, overall intent of this legislation to rein in uh, a rogue court, I do think there's a lot of questions out there. And if the uh, motion's proper, I'd like to table this amendment. That is in order. The motion is to table this proposal. Do I have a second to the motion to table? Second from Arizona. Is it, oh, I'm sorry. So, well, I don't, I don't know that it's, a, it's not appropriate. I'm going to rule that it's out of order to do a motion to table an amendment. Was your motion to the amendment or to the whole, entire proposal? To the, uh, to the whole amendment, not just the strike off, but the whole. To the whole proposal. To the whole proposal, yes, sir. So, so the motion is to table this proposal. Is there a second to the motion to Georgia? Point second. Of point of order. Yes, uh, the gentleman from New Hampshire is recognized for point of order. Thank you, Mr. President. It's inappropriate to speak before offering a tabling motion. That, that is correct. We've been somewhat lax. It's inappropriate to speak before offering any motion. And uh, I appreciate the, the point of order. Uh, we've been somewhat lax on that. Uh, um, let me recognize uh, um, So I think given the point of order, we're back. Uh, we're, we're back where we started. Let me, let me recognize the, uh, the gentleman from Minnesota. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I would move that we table this underlying proposal. That, that is in order. So the motion is to table uh, this entire proposal. Do I have a second? Second from Indiana. 
Is that a that's not a debatable motion? Point, is point, it? Of, point of order, Mr. President. But don't we have an amendment first that we have to deal with? Take it well, the, on and the, then. the motion what? to table would supersede that. I mean, I think I think that's only superseded by a motion to adjourn, if I'm correct. Or, so. It's 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 higher in the hierarchy. So okay. so the motion to table is okay. is supersedes. So it, and for our parliamentarian, this is non-debatable. Is that correct? So this is a non-debatable motion. The motion is to table this proposal. And let me place that motion. All in favor of tabling proposal two. Yes. Let me just ask too, do I, do I go back to the sponsor on a motion to table? Okay, okay, thank you. So the motion is to table proposal two. Let me place that motion. Uh, chairs of your delegations, all in favor of tabling this proposal, please say aye. Aye. Chairs opposed say nay. I'm going to rule that that motion passes. The, the, uh, the proposal is tabled. Mr. President. Yes, uh, the commissioner from Virginia is recognized. call for division, Mr. President. Excuse me? I call for division. Division has been called. Um, under the Mason's rules, do we, need, uh, do we need 10? How many do we need to stand for division? Um, to stand? Do we stand or vote? Um, What's that? Okay, let me, uh, on division, do we, do we have in our... Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, Mr. President, on division, yes. Parliamentary inquiry. Yes, Commissioner from Virginia. Would I not be correct that in a motion to division, if the chair rules as such, that it would be the chairman of the several delegations that would stand and be recognized on either side of the question. Would that be correct? That, that is correct. That is correct. So let's, let's, go with the, uh, let's go with the chairs of the delegation in favor of division. Well, no, I'm sorry, that's not right. So, so we'll just do a roll call vote, because in my house, the way we would work it, if 10 or more stand, we, we divide, which means we hold a vote. And, and we have a roll call vote. Let's just go quickly through a roll call vote on the issue of whether or not to table the proposal. That's where we're at. The, the question is, did the motion, I ruled that the motion to table passed. Let's just go to a roll call vote on uh, the motion to table. Uh, yes, sir. No, I, I think uh, the div the division, we're voting on tabling or voting on? On the issue to table, right. So we're just, we're just gonna go to a roll call vote on whether or not to table. So we're not doing the division vote now. Correct, we're just gonna do a roll call vote on whether or not to table. So, so an aye vote is to table proposal two. Let's go to the roll call vote, Mr. Secretary. Alabama. 
Welcome back to the Convention of States live stream. My name is Ken Clark. I have Professor Rob Nadelson sitting with us. Thank you for joining us again, Rob. Great to be here. So, Professor, let me ask you this question. We've been seeing a lot of procedural moves. Um, we're talking about roll call votes. We're talking about tabling, points of order. There was a division called. Explain what we're watching. Well, there's a very controversial measure which has been proposed by uh, one of the committees. And the measure has gone through a number of different amendments on the floor. Uh, in fact, the sponsors themselves have asked for uh, an amendment on one or two occasions. And so finally, um, a number of delegates, excuse me, a number of commissioners have concluded that really this measure is too complicated uh, to fine-tune sufficiently to actually be offered as an amendment to the Constitution. And so as a result of this, uh, one commissioner uh, made a motion to table it. Um, and that is what we call a privileged motion, no debate on the subject. And so uh, the chair then called for a voice vote on the question of whether to table. And uh, the chair ruled, based upon an overwhelming volume of, uh, of, of I votes, that it was in fact a table. Then one person stood up and he asked for a division. Now well, what is division? Well, you see, a division can mean two different things. and. I think in the home legislature, the person who asked for the division, it means something different than it means under these rules. Uh, what that person was really asking for was, a, was a, a split of the vote so that people announced who was for and who was against. Um, however, division under the rules here means taking a particular motion and dividing it into two. So there was a little bit of confusion over exactly what was, um, uh, what was meant. Uh, the president, I think wisely, uh, resolved the issue by simply saying, look, we'll have a roll call vote on the subject. Everybody can be on record as a result, and I don't have to make a judgment as to who wins. Rob, thank you. Thank you for explaining that to us. We really appreciate it. We're going to go back and watch what's happening on the floor. Thank you. Then I, de I determine we have a quorum. I vote aye. <laughs> Oklahoma votes yes. Oregon? Yes. Oregon votes yes. Pennsylvania? Yes. Pennsylvania votes yes. Rhode Island? Yes. Rhode Island votes yes. South Carolina? South Carolina votes no. South Dakota? Aye. South Dakota votes yes. Tennessee? Aye. Tennessee votes yes. Texas? Texas votes no. Texas votes no. Utah? Utah votes yes. Utah votes yes. Vermont? Vermont votes no. Vermont votes no. Virginia? Virginia votes no. Washington? Washington votes yes. Washington votes yes. West Virginia? Yes. West Virginia votes yes. Wisconsin? No. Wisconsin votes no. Wyoming? No. Wyoming votes no. Mr. Chair, the vote is 15, or excuse me, 35 yes, 15 no. Uh, chair rules then the motion to table proposal 2 passes. We will move on to item number two from the Fiscal Restraint Committee. Mr. Chairman. Yes. Might I have a moment of personal privilege? I will rule that is in order pursuant to our car wash rule. Okay. <laughs> Members, I think this last action speaks to the point that I want to make. We all share a deep concern 
for the overreach of the, of the federal court system. And our most recent action says, to, to quote my fellow commissioner, this one's not fully baked, not ready to be served. There may be others in our consideration today that may not be ready for prime time as well. I would like to suggest that we direct staff to begin now crafting a statement for this body to adopt at the end of our deliberations today that sends a message to the American public that we are presenting this list of proposals that we have approved and we're supplementing that with a, a topic, a, a group of topics suggesting further deliberation, recognizing that these topics must be addressed by the Convention of States when one occurs. That would be my suggestion, Mr. President. Thank you. Appreciate the comment. I'm sure that is noted by staff. Thank you, Commissioner. We'll move on to proposal number two from the Fiscal Restraint Committee. Recognize the Commissioner from Colorado. Thank you, Mr. President. I move proposal number two from the Fiscal Restraints Committee. Uh, Mr. President, this proposal, in essence, um, repeals the 16th Amendment. Uh, it does it uh, by first stating that Congress in Section 1 shall not impose taxes or other exactions upon income gifts or estates or upon aggregate consumption or expenditures. Then it adds, but Congress shall have the power to levy a uniform tax on the sale of goods. I uh, would point out that in our discussion we acknowledge that, in fact, Congress has that authority today if they were to exercise it, but we were trying to be as clear as uh, we could on the direction this would go. Section 2 is uh, uh, concerning the... Uh, um, the increase in any taxes that Congress does would have the authority under this amendment uh, would require a three-fifths vote from both the House and the Senate. And then uh, uh, the final uh, section deals with <coughs> making the effective date five years from its ratification because, of course, uh, at which time the 16th Amendment is repealed giving a, an appropriate time for the transition from one taxing structure to another. Uh, Mr. President, I would also ask that a couple of stylistic changes be, uh, be put into this or, or removed in a sense, that being that the number 16th be spelled out and that uh, at the end of Section 2, uh, period be placed at the end after president uh, because it is uh, both redundant and not within the character of constitutional law to uh, to say president of the United States. Therefore, I Commissioner, let's, make the motion and ask for those two. Yeah, let's deal with those and then we'll let you continue with your presentation. So uh, the, the motion without objection is to delete in section two at the end of the United States, so it would be presented to the President, period. And in Section 3, the number, Roman numeral 16, would be spelled out to 16th article. Without objection, uh, we'd correct those Scribner's errors. Hearing none, 
Well, uh, there was a majority. There's a Mr. second. Mr. President, yes, the uh, state of Delaware seconds the fiscal restraints proposal number two. Okay, we have, well, we're, we're, we're on the, the Scribner error. We have a second to the Scribner error. I'll come back to you. So Thank without you. objection, we'll correct the Scribner's errors. Uh, Commissioner, back to you. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, just to wrap up the, uh, the motion here and the explanation of it, uh, this is a significant change uh, by repealing the 16th Amendment, which of course is the amendment uh, uh, authorizing the income tax collection from individuals rather than uh, the other provisions for taxation. Uh, it is a, uh, a proposal that our committee felt appropriate for consideration of the body, and I ask for its approval. Thank you, Commissioner. Delaware second? Delaware seconds the proposal from the gentleman from Colorado. Second from Delaware. Discussion to the proposal number two from our Fiscal Restraint Committee. Recognize a gentleman from Connecticut. Thank you, Mr. President. I rise in opposition to this proposal. I think one of the things we have to keep in mind is the problems we came here to address are functional problems of the government. Um, clarifications above all, I think, in the Constitution uh, among the division of powers, and especially as between the federal government and the states. This is an issue of policy, and I myself would prefer uh, this taxation, this system of taxation to what we have currently. That said, I don't think it's appropriate to do this by way of constitutional amendment. Um, for one thing, that's not the place for policy. And second, it, we, not knowing what the consequences of this change might in fact be, we could bind the hands uh, of a Congress for uh, bad effects down the road. It's conceivable if we think back to the days of the founders that such an amendment might have been proposed or a constitutional provision to limit the country to an excise tax, um, which was what they were collecting on the federal level at that time. That's exactly the kind of thing that can become antiquated to use the word that was uh, used earlier in reference to the Constitution. Systems of taxation come and go. It's the constitutional document that we have to focus on correcting. And I think we would be making a mistake by including this. Thank you, Commissioner. Further discussion to the motion? Rec recognize the gentleman from West Virginia, then we'll come to Texas. Thank you, Mr. President. I, I rise uh, in opposition to the proposed amendment. Uh, I, I know this is circulated around the country quite a bit, the so-called fair tax. Um, but the reality is the name of this tax, almost everywhere else you hear it, is called value-added tax. It cascades and it builds upon itself as it works its way through the supply chain, and it, it winds up costing a lot more money to buy the goods than what the tax itself simply collects. Because the way any business, and I think there's a lot of business owners in here, sets their price is based upon a percentage markup. They're looking for a percentage profit. And so as it works its way through the process, they constantly have to mark up the product in order to keep up with the increased cost that's caused by the tax. Value-added taxes aren't really a, a good economic tax anywhere they've been tried. This one would be no different. In addition, I would argue against this because I think it contains a fundamental uh, assumption that is simply wrong. Our problem with the federal government and the out-of-control spending and the out-of-control regulation and everything else is not simply because we have the wrong tax. A proposal that simply created a flat tax, would, you know, income tax, would be better than what we have. 
this might be better than what we have, but the real problem that we have with the federal government is the federal government just simply has too much money. And when you have that much money, you're gonna do something with it. And so the appropriate thing to do with the federal government would be simply section three in this article. Let's, let's get rid of the 16th amendment, but let's not give them a whole different revenue source that allows them to continue to spend more money than they ever really should have spent. They're out of control because they have the money to be out of control. So I, I oppose this uh, because of its value-added principles and because I don't want to give them another way to get the money they need. I want them to have less money. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner from Texas. I think we're going to be abstained here. Mr. President, I rise as the uh, sponsor of this amendment um, in committee as well. Uh, first of all, this is not allowing Congress to impose any new tax that it doesn't already have the power to impose. In fact, it's removing its power to impose a tax. Then that's the income tax, restoring the original intent of the framers. The reason why the 16th Amendment had to be ratified is because the framers did not give Congress the power to impose an income tax. This is removing that power. And what are they left with? They're left with a sales tax. They're left with a consumption tax. It's a tax that's transparent and isn't taken from your earnings, uh, unbeknownst to many people. Um, it's a tax that's very transparent, and in fact, that we impose in many of our states. In Texas, we have a sales tax. We don't have an income tax and we have one of the most thriving economies in the country because of it. Lastly, I want to point out that what we're talking about is a consumption tax. And when you tax something, you get less of it. What we don't want is a production tax. When we tax the labor of individuals, they're incentivized to produce less for their fellow citizens. Now, when we work, we get the ability to request other goods from our from our uh, fellow citizens. Well, a consumption tax disincentivizes us taking and incentivizes us giving, uh, which is why it's the most economically beneficial tax we can have. The problem is in order to institute a consumption tax, we need to remove the danger of an income tax so we don't have both. That's what this amendment does. And then let me point out section two of this amendment is perhaps um, as important as section one. It requires a supermajority of Congress in order to increase taxes. Um, I would submit that this is good for the economy. Uh, I would submit it's a structural change that allows individuals to be free and keep more of their labor. Uh, it's not a policy change. This is a structural change in the relationship of the federal government to its citizens and the way in which they see themselves and their labor. So, Mr. President, I move for adoption. Thank you, Commissioner. Let me go to the Commissioner from Oregon, uh, then New Jersey. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I also rise in opposition uh, to this, namely uh, where it says Congress shall have power to levy a uniform tax on the sale of goods. If the goal is to rein in the reach of the federal government, by my estimation, giving them a blank check without any parameters, without any limits, is not achieving that goal. So as such a vagary without limitation, 
there's no way on God's green earth that I'm going to trust the federal government to limit themselves on what that amount may be just so long as it's uniform. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner from New Jersey. Thank you, Mr. President. I rise in opposition to this also. Just a report from the committee. This particular proposition had to be culled out of the group of package uh, propositions that we were going to vote on because it was odious to many members of the committee. It squeaked through the committee, to be quite frankly. We didn't get overwhelming support. Fat taxes expand the cost of government. Countries with fat taxes have a heavy, heavier total tax burden. They slow down economic growth and destroy jobs. This is a bad idea. This is not what we should be submitting to the public for, for their review and acceptance. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, let's go to the Commissioner from South Dakota. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, while I definitely appreciate the work of this committee to try to address what I believe is a very egregious reach of the federal government into the transactions between the private citizens, I don't think that the proposal on the screen is actually offering the right solution to the American people. Because as the founders designed it, the federal government itself was a co-op, if you will, of the state governments. They would, did not design for the federal government to reach in and regulate transactions between private citizens to this extent. And right now with the income tax, they are doing that. But if I counted the number of times that paychecks are given out versus the number of times that sales are transacted, you're actually increasing the number of transactions where the federal government now can reach through the veil of the states and tax and control those transactions. I would suggest that if we're going to repeal the 16th Amendment, which may be a good proposal, we should present to the people the solution that the founders envisioned, which was that the federal government should tax the states, and then the states could turn around and do a consumption tax, like a sales tax, and I think that would be a good solution to the problem, this one that the founders gave us in the beginning. Thank you, Commissioner. Let me go to South Carolina and then Virginia. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I rise in opposition to this particular amendment, and I'm most conflicted when I do that. I'm the sponsor and have been for three terms of the South Carolina State Fair Tax. Fair tax policy, uh, I believe in wholeheartedly. I just think that it's a very complex issue. It doesn't get addressed fully in this. It will be misunderstood. Um, I serve also on a tax review um, uh, committee right now, um, currently, and, and we all know tax policy is extremely difficult, and it's all the detail is what counts. And uh, while in principle I really believe in this, and it hurts me deeply to stand in opposition to it, uh, I don't think this is the day and the time and the right place for this without much, much vetting. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Commissioner. Let's go to the Commissioner from Virginia. Mr. Chairman, I was in the Army a long time, and my JAG lawyers used to tell me that when we were in the middle of administering justice, if you feel real good about what you're getting ready to do, slow down, you're about to do something wrong. <laughs> the maker of this proposal is absolutely correct in his intent. And were this amendment to repeal the 16th Amendment, it would indeed bring the Constitution back in line with the founding vision. And that would be a good thing. 
not the least of which the joy, Mr. President, we would have in watching the IRS collapse in utter depression. <laughs> But I would suggest to the maker of the amendment that were this body to be considering an amendment, that it is straight, the straight-up repeal of the 16th Amendment, we might have more adherence among states across the nation than were we to essentially write into the Constitution the Fair Tax Act, which, Mr. President, I support. But the Constitution should be about tying the knot, not braiding the rope. And I'll offer that, Mr. President, for your consideration. Thank you, Commissioner. We'll go to North Carolina, then Georgia. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I was rising in support of this proposal. Um, I've been listening to the comments, and I would certainly support if people wanted to simplify it and just simply say that we're repealing the 16th Amendment, I would support that if that's what we need to do. Um, I do want to add to some of the comments that uh, my colleague from Texas made that uh, has already made, I'm not gonna repeat. I do think that the income tax is too intrusive. It's a usurpation of federal power. It's too complicated. There are tens of thousands of pages in the tax code. Most people don't understand it. They constantly change it. Um, Financial magazines come out every year with 50 different tax returns going to different people and getting 50 different results from 50 different accountants. The income tax is used to manipulate citizens, to incentivize certain behaviors, to punish others. The income tax is too often avoided. It's virtually impossible, it seems, to strike a proper balance of being able to enforce it without giving too much power, and we've seen the abuse as certain groups and certain individuals are gone after. So I would just suggest to this body that if this language is not what you like and you just want something as simple as repealing the 16th Amendment, then great. But I would love to be able to go back and say that that was one thing that we discussed today that I think would be extremely popular with the American people, that people would like to see that we did something in this very important era uh, area to rein in the federal government, bring them back into control, and certainly support um, repealing the 16th Amendment to the Constitution. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.